I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Welcome to another edition of the Draft Kings Lost for Words podcast. I'm joined as ever by Matt Vincenzi. Matt, hello. Hey Tom, how's everything going? It's good, it's good. I didn't see much of the uh, golf this weekend. I'm not going to lie to the, uh, the listeners. I was watching Nottingham Forest get back to the Premier League, so I've had a bit of a hectic weekend there. Um, but yeah, it's um, it looked like everyone decided to try and throw it away yesterday and eventually Sam Burns kind of stole it at Colonial. Uh, from from kind of what I saw, he kind of shot a nice round and sat and waited for a couple of hours, I think, before uh, before everyone came in. So uh, that that was kind of my recollection from not actually paying any attention to it at all. Yeah, well, first of all, congrats on that big uh, soccer win. Um, my my Celtics had a nice win last night. It's not as uh, I don't think it's as monumental as as it seems like what uh, your team did, but um, good day it, for both it, of us. It's going to be good if you win the championship, right? It's uh, we we haven't been in the Premier League for 23 years now, so wow. Uh, this 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 was quite a big day. Um, but yeah, the Celtics getting to the finals is great. Uh, Golden State ahead of you now, so interesting to see how that one goes. But um, I'm sure we'll be right yeah. about that for for six weeks or so. But uh, there we go. In terms of the Burns win, I mean, it it he was the ninth uh, from last group, so. That was a true, you know, backdoor type of win, and um, you thought maybe, you know, I think maybe Spieth could have done that, um, which it kind of was there for him. If he, that guy misses so many four foot putts, it's unbelievable. Um, but, you know, but he kind of just posted a number and waited around. Scheffler was I, from the first tee shot. I thought Scheffler was in trouble yesterday, just because even all week he, he had a C game, which I think is impressive. The fact that he could hang around despite not having his A game, but you know, I, I got. I got the feeling someone was going to catch him. It just seemed like nobody wanted to. Yeah, it's amazing now what's, what Burns has done. I know obviously we've had some uh, reservations over him over the last few weeks in terms of like it's a bit of a reliance on the putter, right? But, um, you know, he, he keeps getting those wins when it matters and uh, all of a sudden he looks like the big game hunter. Yeah, well, we'll see if he can do it in a major, but as of now, with the, the way he's piling up wins is uh, impressive. I was on Davis Riley in terms of betting perspectives. That was a little bit of a stinger. Uh, I did see that he'd made, I think I was watching, I managed to get back on the train by that point. And just as I came on, he had missed a putt and dropped to seven under and that was the end of that. So um, tough for him, but at least he's got, you know, that and Valspar now under his belt. He, he should be ready when he gets there in a, the next occasion, I think. Yeah, he, I thought he was going to win for a brief amount of time and then, and then you have Varner, who shoots. <laughs> Jesus, he was ten under, and all of a sudden he finished at even. I was like, "Holy shit! How did that happen?" Didn't he? Didn't he miss the top twenty as well? After I think he was like fifty or something ridiculous in the end, wasn't he? After leading going into the turn. Yeah, I think twenty eighth, but still, I mean, that's a. If you had a top twenty on him, that's a horrible way to lose. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't cope with that. So I'm glad I wasn't involved in that one. Um, but back to Memorial now this week, um, a tournament that uh, is remembered probably more so for John Rahm not winning the tournament last year than uh, Patrick Cantlay actually winning it. Um, is he going to be in big FU mode this week? I'm assuming he's going to he's going to want some sort of vengeance. I don't know if that quite is enough to get him over the line uh, the way he's playing, but it's certainly going to be a big moment for him. Yeah, I'm sure he wants to be in in FU mode, but I just don't know if he has the game to do it right now. Um, but you know, I mentioned to you earlier, even with his, you know, with his B minus game, he can he can play well here because even when he's been playing not up to his usual capabilities, he's still first and off the tee, and he just is a mile better than everybody else with the driver right now. He hits it long and hits it straight, so that'll give him a huge advantage here. Um, you know. Can he hit his irons close enough, and can he make putts? Those are the two questions. But I, I still think he can just go greens and reg and still hang around here. Yeah, I think the thing is, he's he's not got to pile up birdies. It's not going to be a putting contest like he so likes to uh, to flip off every now and then. So let's start then the guys at 10k. It's a bit of a short list this week. So John Rahm 11-2, Rory McIlroy 10-9, Patrick Cantlay 10-7, Colin Morikawa 10-4, and Xander Shuffle 10-2. Xander somehow managing to stay above 10k again. Um, 
So I think it really, to me, becomes down to John Rahm or Roy McIlroy, and you've just got to make the choice, because I don't trust Colin Morikawa. I don't think the games are there right now. Uh, and Patrick Cantlay is probably the best case of course form versus current form, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, it just depends if you want to, with Cantlay, do you want to you know, read much into what he did at the PGA? Or that seemed to be an outlier performance. So he has been playing his best, but I mean... You know, three weeks prior or whatever at the Zurich, he was unbelievable. Um, and, you know, just tracking him a lot in that PGA Championship, it, se- it just seemed like something was off. And I don't think it's permanent. So I do think, you know, you could get a buy low spot here if you think that that was kind of just a blip um, because he's just been excellent at this course. And Nicholas Designs in general, he's been, you know, dominant. So I think, you know, it, it's, it's worth considering. But I do agree with you that it's probably Ramarori. Um and it's a tough decision. I mean, Rory, this is a place where you think he'd eventually get it done. You know, the, those prestigious um, non-major events, he's really pretty much won them all. Uh, and this seems like one that he still is close to tackling. That he And he's in great form, so he makes a lot of sense. I, I'm torn between the two. Yeah, I think I would definitely go Rory over Rahm. That's not an issue. Um, Patrick Cantley, I, I don't know. I, I think for me, it's, it's one of those things that, like... I've very much been of the ilk that he's been overvalued a lot this season based on wins that he probably shouldn't have got last year, right? But this golf course, two wins, a fourth. If you just put it in isolation, the golf course, you know, five, five starts, two wins, a fourth, and nothing worse than 35th. You, you would think that if he's going to win this season, it, it could possibly come here. Um, you know, we, we've seen repeat performances from the past. Obviously, as I just said, he's won this twice. Uh, he's won the Shriners, finished second there. He's got second and two thirds at the Heritage. He's, you know, he, he generally just you know where he's going to play well. Um, it, it's not really hidden. It makes sense that he had that run uh, at the Amex as well when he ran down Siwoo Kim, I think it was when he when he shot that kind of final round sixty. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know th- that's obviously another Nicholas design on that course as well. So there's a lot to like about Patrick Cantlay. It's just. I think if you're if you're looking purely for someone that can win right now, I didn't like what I saw out of Patrick Cantlay at the start of 2022 when he kind of had a chance at the Amex. He kind of well, he definitely had a chance at the Pebble Beach. Should have probably done better at you know Phoenix. Yeah, you know, eventually like Scheffler was going to win an event and it had to fall his way, but like it, it just felt like he threw a couple of those ones away at the end of the year. Yeah, and is, is he going to win this thing twice out of three years, and especially coming into the, you know, probably in his worst form that he's been in and, and looking back at the times he's played really well here um probably unlikely and my question here is can you skip the 10k range completely well that was why I, I initially did that uh and then i found myself having almost too much money left over right so mm-hmm. uh my most expensive guy so i think i think have we said everything we want to say on the 10k guys i mean i i would pick roy mcelroy I could certainly see the Patrick Cantlay, although I don't think he's going to go missed. I don't trust Morikawa, and I don't really have too much interest in Xander Shuffle at 10 Yeah, I think we probably have to hit on Colin a little bit more because he's going to be really popular this week, and I yeah. think people are going to want to hear the argument one way or the other. And it's it's very tough because if you think about these Nicholas designs, they're all second-shot courses. The, um, you know, the, the guys who have the best approach numbers typically play the best, and it's just, you know... Uh, most courses there are a lot of different ways to get it done it seems like here you can't really get it done any other way you know you can have a great off the tee or a great putting week but the irons have to be there or it's not going to work and so that's going to point a lot of people to Morikawa and um you know and when he won 2020 in concession uh you know they were unbelievable but he, they haven't been the same recently even though but last week he gained 5.2 i tracked him a lot it didn't seem like he he did but somehow he did so this is the thing i i don't remember i mean as i said i didn't watch any of it really so it's hard for me to actually tell but you know he was 10th on day one in irons he was first on saturday he was 18th on sunday and actually only just had one bad round in round two where he lost strokes with his irons so my argument was always with morikara if he wasn't doing the things you know he can do well which is off the tee and in approach then you don't need to bet him but last week uh or even play him in draftings right but last week um, he actually showed it. You know, he showed his irons were back. So I don't know. It, it's tough because the finish is the actual end result wasn't good enough, and he's off the tee. I know he's never going to gain that many strokes because of his distance, but you know, he, he generally speaking, he would 
gained a decent amount of accuracy. So, I, it just doesn't feel like Morikawa is what Morikawa has been over the past two years. And that is a concern to an extent. But is it? if you look at his season in isolation, is this a really, really good season for most players? Like, fifth yeah, it, at the tournament it, it, of champions, second at Riviera, fifth at you know, the Masters, got out of the match play group, 26th of the Heritage. Like, there's no alarm bells right yet, but I, I just think that maybe the, the winning upside is not yet there. Yeah, so for me, in this range, it's going to come down to probably ownership. Like, I can see myself skipping it. I know you said you can have a lot of money on the table, but you could really double or even triple up in the low nines and then see where, where that takes you. But um, for me, ownership, in the, if, if there's one guy, whether it's Cantley, Morikawa, Rory, or Ram, who's no one's playing, then I'll probably play that guy because I think they all pretty much have an equal chance to play well this week. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think if, there is, if there's an outlier that no one wants to play, except for Xander, I don't have any Xander interest, um, no. then, then I would agree with that. Um, 9k then again there's a slightly shorter we've got a smaller field this week Cameron Smith 9-9 Jordan Spieth 9-7 Zalatoris 9-4 Hovland 9-3 Matsuyama 9-2 Fitzpatrick 9-1 Shane Lowry 9 and it's actually the two guys that prop up the 9s that interest me the most in Fitzpatrick and Lowry I think you know I'm pretty sure you've been quite keen on Fitzpatrick for a reasonable amount of time now you mentioned to me earlier about his betting odds being uh, unfortunately unbettable but in terms of DFS, he probably makes the the perfect uh, case, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he does seem a little unbettable because of the number, but for whatever reason, if there's something I, c- I could picture him winning, this is this kind of is something because um, I think he's going to eliminate a lot of the trouble. It's going to play one of the tougher courses on tour, you know, kind of like we saw at the PGA Championship. He did back up on Sunday, but, you know, on Saturday, he kind of just made a pars and all of a sudden looked up and he was in the final group and that's something that could happen if it play, especially if it plays a little tough um this year so i i think he's capable and i think that the taste that he had at the pga championship being in the final group is going to help him long term um whether it's right away i don't know but 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 i agree with you there i think the bottom i'm very interested in not just the lowry and fitz i like them a lot but the last four guys hovland matsuyama fitz and lowry i think are the four guys I'm really looking at. Um, in Zalatoris, too. So I, I could I could kind of fade that 10K range because I really like the, the bottom of uh, 9,400 to 9K. Yeah, I think I think for me, uh, I'm happy to miss out on Cameron Smith. If he does it again, he does it again. Uh, no problem there. Jordan Spieth took a little bit of a step back with his irons last week. As you said, he keeps missing those kind of uh, short putts as well. So maybe just let this go out for a while. It's not, you know... It's not the best course for him, is it? So, you know, it, whilst he has had some decent results here with a third and a seventh, it's not like it's a it's a must-bet Jordan's beef area like it was in Texas. Um, I don't know what to do about Zalatoris. Like, I feel like this is a really good bounce-back spot. I feel like this is the perfect Taylor-May golf course for him. Uh, I don't think Colonial was kind of the test that he wanted the week after the disappointment of the PJ. He's now got that out of the way. So I do. I, th- I think I think Zalatoris makes a really good case, and I think I would probably partner Zalatoris and Fitzpatrick of the two, and and kind of ignore Hovland and Matsuyama. But again, I think I think in terms of ownership, like it's it's the outlier again. Like I'm pretty confident that Hideki Matsuyama can have a good week. Like he's won here in the past. He's won at Firestone, which obviously always gets kind of uh, grouped into as well. He's got two other top six finishes. Hasn't been good here the last two years, but he was sort of back and forth with form over that time as well. So I kind of like, I do like Matsuyama. Uh, I'm still not sure on Hovland. I don't, I don't know where he is with his game. I really don't. I don't know if it's just been that they've been two really unsuitable major tests for him, and that's kind of caught up with him because otherwise he's been okay. Like 21st last week was fine. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. I. Starting with Zalatoris here, I mean, and I never play him. I don't think I've ever even played him before. I've never come on the show and oh, said yeah, I wanted no. to play him. So this week for me is like, I, I remember three months ago, I, everyone always kind of messaged me because in my other show, I'm always, uh, I have, it's kind of like a bit where I always kind of trash on Zalatoris because he's always so overvalued. And um, someone said, if he's going to win, where is it going to be? And I said, Memorial. And yeah. I, I've always thought that this this was a really good spot for him. Um, he's played better in, in the events where, you know, tougher strong field the events that mean something he's he plays the best and if you look at his finishes kind of um 
he was sixth at the Masters, right? And then he was 85th at Byron Nelson. And everyone was kind of like, uh, uh, you know, going to be off him. He should have played well. That was Texas. And then he finishes second at the PGA. Yeah. And then last week, he's 82nd in Texas again. So I think these type of difficult events, um, you know, even though last week was difficult uh, too, but I just, I just think this type of event is right up his alley. Maybe we finally get a little bit of ownership break on him and he's not as popular as he always is. Um, I think he can win this event. I, I really do. And then, um, Vic, I'm with you. You know, if he's at his peak, this is a good spot for him. I just don't know what's exactly going on with him. Hideki might be sneaky, right? Cause he was so popular at the PGA and everyone got burned by him a bit. I mean, he, he made the cut, but he finished pretty much last of everyone who made the cut. And I think that was a blip. It was a weird week. The stats are all weird because of the different wave splits. And prior to that, he gained nine strokes on approach at, at Byron Nelson. He finished third. The week in Masters, he was 14. So I, I think he's in good form. I, and you're getting him at a place where, at a pretty cheap price, at a place where he's won and he's played well uh, in the past. So I think he could be kind of that sneaky play. Yeah, and I think just going back quickly on to Hovland, like he was fourth last week off the tee. Like, uh, fifth, mm-hmm. fifth in round two, 11th in round four. Uh, where was he? 28th in round uh, one again, just one bad round uh, on the Saturday for Hovland. Just look at his irons, which weren't quite as good. Um, lost strokes in three of the four rounds, which is unheard of for Victor Hovland, which is a little bit of concern, but you would suggest that if he finishes in 21st without his irons firing, that that can come back at any time. It's going to be someone that we're going to talk about similar later on as well. Uh, in that respect, and then when it comes to Zalatoris, I, I do agree with you. I think, I think he just seems to turn up where it means the most, and this is certainly one of those, uh, you know, short field, elite golf course, tougher challenge suits him. Um, and we've not seen him play here right outside of the debut four or five years ago, which is irrelevant to kind of who he is now. So, um, I don't know about Hideki. Like I keep, I keep trying to go to Hideki when I think it's not going to be popular, and it turns out to be popular, and it doesn't work. So. Um, I might just have a break on him, but yeah, I think that sums up the group pretty well. I think of the favourites, it would probably be Zalatoris and Fitzpatrick for me. Yeah, um, I, you know, I wanted just a definitive answer here. Are you a believer that Fitz can win? No. Yeah, that, um, but anyone hundred, I'm in second. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah, like I absolutely don't want to bet him. Even even if he was thirty three to one, I don't think I'd bet him. I think it's perfect for DraftKings. I think he'll score a bunch of points. I think he I think he could be very solid and get good finishing positions. I just don't think he makes the amount of birdies to bogey bogey ratio. But I, I don't know. I just I didn't like what I saw at the PJ. I know you said that it might sort of lend itself to some promising things going forward, but I was it really bothered me and. You know, everyone was kind of like, you know, Billy Foster's on his bag, the more experienced sort of person will help. But I don't necessarily know that they've got the closest relationship. Like, Billy Foster's always seems to have really good relationships with people maybe just similar age to him, really high-profile players when he goes there. And I don't know if he's, this mentoring role is really working for him. I feel like Fitz is kind of his own player and maybe doesn't listen as much as he should do. I, I don't know. I, this is just me kind of inferring from what I see on the golf course, but I just think that that's maybe not working out as much as I thought it would. It certainly certainly raised his game, so uh, if he gets that win, that all changes. Did Did you see the, who that Netflix documentary is, has been following? No. I saw Ian Poulter on the plane, I think. So I guess... No, so I guess during the PGA Championship, they did the whole, they spent the whole week with Fitzpatrick, Mito, and, I, and one other oh, one, yeah, no, gonna, it's going to show basically yeah. everything. So that would yeah, be that, interesting. That's going to be pretty cool. I'm interested to see Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I think I think um, I think yeah. we'll either be really surprised by what he's done, like in the build-up, like we'll think, oh, that you know, you really like you know, those those things like Netflix, and and the dangerous thing that happens is like you'll watch it, and he'll like he won't win this season. You'll watch it at the end when it comes out on Netflix. And you'll think he's going to have to win. Like his mentality is elite. The way he prepares is elite. Billy Foster is elite. Mm-hmm. It's such it's a match made in heaven. They're going to win next event. And everyone just keep betting and betting and betting him. Um, and that's <laughs> a little bit of what I'm afraid of. So that will be interesting to see. And it's pretty it's pretty cool that Mito got a lot of kind of accidental coverage last week with the Netflix documentary and the who is it that did a piece on him as well? Was it Dylan Dechair? 
Dylan Dylan Duffier. Yeah. yeah. So I think I think um, I think he covered that. Eight K range then. All right, so let's go to eights. Yeah. Um. Sanjay kind of peaked last week with with some decent numbers, which is interesting. Um. Hasn't played well here in the past, but I don't necessarily think that means he can't. Uh, he's not long, which is a slight setback. Um, but yeah, I think he's he's kind of showing something now, Sanjay, and I think we have a chance to kind of get back on him. 57th miscut, miscut, and three starts here, which is a concern, but I, I do think there's something that's kind of flashing for him. Yeah, I was almost ready to bet him because I was looking at his numbers last week and they were really good. And then I looked at his course history and I thought it was a little bit concerning. It just these types of courses, you I like having a little bit of course form. It doesn't mean that he I'm definitely ruling him out, but that was concerning to me. I also think he's going to be maybe that blank spot, right? Because everybody wants to play Cam Young. Everybody wants to play Max Homa, maybe even Davis Riley. So I and then everyone's going to be playing Shane Lowry and Fitz. Like he's right in between those guys. So if I see that he's basically being you know, really played, which I think kind of probable at this point, just with the guys around him, I, I could I could probably get there. Yeah, I, th- I think that's an interesting way of doing it because as much as Sungjae hasn't been the Sungjae that we're used to, like he's still making cuts, like he's fourteen out of his last sixteen cuts, like he's he's absolutely fine um, and can just flash, like those irons can come good at any time. So I think Sungjae is interesting. Cam Young. Don't need to say too much. Is he going to keep doing what he's going to do? Uh, it's a perfect golf course for him. If Zalatoris is going to play well here, you'd expect him to play well here. Uh, Davidson's seen to play okay. I don't think you necessarily have to have a bunch of you know starts here to play great. So yeah, I, I could be. I could obviously. I'm not going to try and talk people out of Cam Young other than ownership. Same with Homer. I really like Homer. Um, Davis Riley. I will probably just skip because I, I imagine he'll be quite popular at 600 um, And then I have little interest in Berger. Yeah, I agree with most of that. Cam Young on paper looks really good. Um, for me, it's probably going to be a fade because of the ownership and just the general popularity I'm not too into right now. I think um, he's just going to be basically, everyone's going to want to play him. You know, it's one of those things we've talked about in the past where everybody wants to be um, early instead yeah. of late. And, He's expensive, and I just think I like that low nines too much to to get there. Um, Homa, probably the same thing for me. And Riley, yeah, n- no interest. And Berger, no interest. I mean, he's cheap. Um, you know, last week he did show a little bit of those irons that we're used to, but he's just not doing it well enough. Like, when he's playing well, he's gaining a million with his irons, and he doesn't do anything else well enough to make up for that if they're not you know, in, in peak form. In theory, this is a good golf course for Corey Connors, but just never shown that in the past yet. I was surprised by that. I, I was expecting to see some good finishes here for him. You know, just fairway, green, put it to 25 feet, two button, move on. But yeah, that, that was really surprising to me. Do you do you think that's something that you can ignore and just play him knowing that eventually it suits him? Because it's not like they're bad, like 65, 22nd, 53rd. He's made three cuts, so... Is it now just a case of he's gone to another level in his game again this year and potentially that, you know, that changes things? And I don't know. I mean, obviously, last last time out, he missed the cut. And I don't know. It's just whether because he keeps turning up in these big events. I feel like he's a good player and, you know, almost reliable. It feels like I could go here in that range. I could because he's cheap enough to play and I don't think he's going to be overly, overly popular. I think... Um... You know, my concern is that it's starting to tail off. Like, he was really hot for a while, and he's yeah. kind of at the other side of it now. That's what I'm worried about. I don't know if that's the case or not, but at 8,400, you could try. Um, then you get Neiman right below him, who I think is a really nice fit here. Uh, and I th- I don't know how I could just click the Corey Connors when Neiman's right below him. Neiman's my main bet this week, I think. You know, him and Mito, I, th- I'm, I was really, really impressed with Mito last week. Uh, bounced back really well, led the field off the tee. Hit his irons well as well. So I think this is a good golf course for Mito. Neiman's already proven it's a good golf course by finishing sixth on his debut here. Um, he was the guy I alluded to earlier, right, with Victor Hovland, that his, his irons were obviously regressing, but you, you expect that to turn around at any point. He's been top 10 off the tee his last two starts. And, and really, if he can get away and get a tee ball uh, in the middle of the fairway, as he's been reliable in doing recently, then I think his irons can go well and he hasn't got the pressure of 
get making too many birdies, so I think that's a good spot for him. Folks, sweaty sack summer is approaching, and it's now time for you to prioritise the comfort of your crotch. That's why the king of crotch comfort, Manscaped, has spent two years designing the most comfortable boxer briefs out there. Now I've had the honour of testing out these new boxers and I can say it's the softest fabric of any underwear I've ever owned. It's so breathable that it's like gills for your groin. They even trademark the jewel pouch so you know it's serious. I think it's time for you to invest into your family jewels, so let your bulge breathe and get 20% off and free shipping by using the code LFW20 at Manscaped. Let's say you're on a date and your partner catches that Manscaped on the waistband of your underwear, it's almost a guarantee to raise some eyebrows and act like a billboard on a highway to Pleasure Town. The micro model fabric is buttery soft and breathable, keeping your cucumber cool. Walk, run or strut, these moisture wicking boxes breathe without breaking a sweat. The tagless waistband hugs your body without digging in and lays flat against your skin to reduce the chafing. And the front fly opening gives easy access and makes bath and breaks quick and efficient. You can get 20% off and free shipping with the code LFW20 at manscaped.com. And that's 20% off and free shipping with LFW20 at manscaped.com. So once the boxes 2.0 touch your sack, you will never go back. Not interested in answer at all. No. No. Good. Uh, Keegan Bradley was interesting, I thought. Um, he seems to always interest me and it doesn't seem to work out as much as I want him to. And, and Seamus Powers, I never know whether he's like a birdie machine or a tough golf course player now. It seems to to and fro. Yeah, Keegan, I'm just going to play the, the cheaper version at 6,600. We'll get in that, um, into that later. Um, yeah. The Mito thing is going to be a, is going to be a tough one because at eight thousand he's going to be incredibly popular. Yeah, but is it one of those things that people think he's going to regress at some point and just dive off of him? Yeah, I think I think that could be the case. I do. Um, and he's one of the guys who I think is you know he's he offers winning upside at eight k. He truly he truly does. Like you said this too, but I was so impressed with him last week. There was such an easy excuse for him not to play well, and the fact that he finished in the top ten despite everything. I mean, it just he's a stud. And led off the tee. Like, you think about the fact that, that like, every time he stood off on that tee, probably the first day, he's probably got flashbacks of what he did on 18. And, and he actually leads a field in strokes going off the tee. I think it was really, really impressive. And obviously his irons were good enough as well. I think just the way we're talking about this, this is very easy for me to actually construct uh, a card literally between the 9 and 8K guys. And we can probably just shoehorn one of our uh, one of our favourite players in there from the, from the 6K range if he really wants to. But you almost don't have to. Like... I'm just putting together a team here now. Neiman, Pereira, Zalatoris, the next guy we're going to talk about. Uh, you can put Fitz in there and still have 7,300. So let, let, without further ado, let's get into those 7Ks. Uh, Patrick Reed, is he winning this week? You said he was, and I I, I agree with that. Um, I'm 66. I think it's it's a good chance that he does. I mean, 10th and 5th in his last two starts here, neither one of those was at concession because that's kind of a concern with some of these guys. They have that kind of form where you might think it's, you know, it's a different setup, and I think the setup is better for him. He finished 10th in 2020, 5th in 2021, and 2021, he wasn't really playing that great, um, you know, besides this spot. So he's lost strokes tee to green in 14 consecutive events, and he's gained in the last two. And that's, So I think, it's, I think it's back. And that's because he's got rid of that shitty PXG driver, right? He's got, I think he's got some, uh, oh, I don't know, it's, some, it's, it's a random manufacturer, isn't it? It's a small company. It's the same as his iron manufacturers. Grindworks. I think it's That's an Asian it. company. Yeah. So if, if he's comfortable with that, then, you know, I think all things point to Patrick Reed having a successful week. Maybe not winning yet because it's been a long time since he's been in the hunt. But, you know, 7,900, you don't need him to win. And, you know, that leaves a, a really good chunk out of the people. With the guys we've all gone through, um, you know, they'll all be relatively chalky in terms of the 8 and 9Ks that we've spoken about. But... I think there's a lot of upside between just, you know, just fading that 10K range completely. Yeah, I mean, you, and you talk about, you know, we've talked about in the show before, it's not just about trying to find the guys nobody's playing. It's trying to find a construction type of build nobody's playing. Like, yeah. so I think, you know, we might play some popular guys, but we can put three guys at 9K together, and I think that'll be a unique build. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you look at, I look every week at the most duplicated lineups, and it's it's never really lineups that we get to. Like, they're just incredibly, it's the one that that end being duplicated so i think you just gotta you know if you want to play guys like reed and mito and um you know who, whoever else fits or lowry leave 400 dollars on the table and play one you know and play a guy at 7200 nobody's playing and boom you're good 
Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I actually really like, I really, really like this top of the 7K range. So Billy Horschel, I think, has got some good form here and people have kind of been jumping off of him because they've not been suitable golf courses and this might be a good one for him again. Matt Kuchar's got a really good history here. I think he might be quite popular at 7,800 considering the way he's playing. And then we've got the Bryson DeChambeau conundrum of is he going to play and if he is, can he contend? If he plays, he can contend. I'm a huge Bryson fan. Um, I know there's not many that are, but I think just that win equity he brings, like anytime he tees it up, he can win. Um, even if a course isn't suitable, he's he's shown before that he can get in contention. Uh, and this is a place that is suitable. You know, that being said, when he did win it, he was kind of a like old Bryson before he made this transformation. He was a prototypical like long iron player, not even long off the tee. So there is that in terms of his course history. But if he's 7,800 and he's, and he's you know, we've seen so far, he's probably not going to play unless he's healthy. He tried it once, it didn't work, he sat out for a while, so I think if he does tee it up, he is playable. And I think, I think, I just imagine that he sharpened so much, like he even made a bit of a jive on his story that he was going to be playing his wedge, he's put plenty of wedges in play this week and practicing, which makes me think he's going to ramp it up. I think um, Coach on Twitter mentioned that in an Instagram live, he's actually said he's definitely going to play, so that's interesting. Um, what about Kucher and Horschel? Horschel's a no for me because I just think he's a guy who gets hot in stretches, and I think that stretch is over for now. Um, he'll come back at a you know a different time later, maybe next you know next year in Florida or whatever. But I, I just don't trust him. Kucher I do like, um, and I think he's more expensive than he's been in a while, and he's priced around guys who are you know just better than him right now. So I think you know he won't be as popular, and I think you know this is definitely a good spot for him. So I'd rather play Kucher over Horschel, but I think I'd rather play Adam Scott either of them. Um, his form is bad. He has not been playing well. But I don't think there's ever been a time when he's played poorly at this course. Let's have a look. So, Adam Scott, he missed the cut, Matt, in 2009. And since then, he's gone 33rd, 46th, 13th, full, 31st, 35th, 2nd, 16th. And he had a 5th before yeah. that missed cut as well. So, one year he's missed the cut in 10 starts. Yeah, so I, I think he's he's safe. And we've talked about, you know thinking he's safe and that's kind of an illusion at these majors but it's not a major um he almost won this i i, I bet him back in um the year cantley won and he had like a three-shot lead in the final league and cantley ran him down but he didn't play that poorly that that week either i think there's just a really nice nice spot for him and he's probably going to be uh unpopular because he's been letting people down at the majors and whatnot so i said a little bit of chatter about him in terms of betting but i think that's a different prospect to, to dfs i don't think people will uh, want to play him because there's a little bit of volatility there so that would be an interesting one to see later on I don't want to go player by player here so anyone else that kind of sticks out to you in the 7k range I mean my guys I'm kind of focusing on now in the lower 7k's really uh, I like Jason Day a lot yeah um, I I bet him at 80 to 1 um, is he capable right now I'm not sure but you know what we've seen lately is a little bit of consistency. He made a couple cuts in a row. Um, he was bad on that Saturday at Wells Fargo, for sure. But Sunday he played better, and then he made the cut at the PGA Championship, um, and he made the cut at Byron Nelson. So when we've seen him play well, it's at courses that he's kind of always played well at, right? He was in contention at Torrey Pines, which he's been good in the past. He finished in, the I think, 25th at Pebble Beach, where is a good course for him. So he's from – this is his home course. Good history. He's played well here in the last couple of years, even when he's been out of form. So I think he's a guy you can go to at 7,600. So my thing with Jason Day is I actually thought his form here was better than it is. So he's got that kind of fourth place finish uh, 2020. And that was the same year that he obviously finished seventh in that Workday Charity Open. But the concern with that Charity Open is a completely different kind of test. And when you look at actually just his memorial-like form, there's like four missed cuts against like five or six top 40 finishes. Another... The only other one that was kind of impressive after that fourth was the 15th in 2017. So I kind of, because I was like you, I, I wanted to bet Jason Day this week thinking that he'd played well here three or four times, but it doesn't really seem to be the case. Maybe he's been up on leaderboards and fallen away. I need to kind of dig, dig a bit more into that and maybe he was in better positions, but it feels like he hasn't actually played as well as I expected. Yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely possible, but it, you know, at 80 to 1, I thought it was worth, um, worth a shot anyway. Uh, it's something... Anyway, I do think, and again, um, and I 
can find him. He's still young enough, and he finally seems a little bit healthy. And, you know, I think the last couple of courses haven't really suited him. And, you know, I think this one does. Um, so I think it's a, it's a worth a risk, but definitely a risk. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think that's one of those ones that is probably worth putting. We talk about this all the time, like taking a gamble. Like I, you could put a, a a lineup in with Bryson, Scott, and Day, and and really have all the freedoms to do everything else that you wanted to in your lineup. And yes, it'd be very very volatile, and you're probably not going to get a six or six through. But the you know if if it plays the form and plays how the golf course suits, that could be a really high upside lineup. Yeah, just just a high upside guy. Um, so lower sevens, who do you like there? So lower sevens for me, uh, Lahiri, we've spoken about God knows how many times now. Uh, this is the place that always kind of sticks out uh, in my mind when we think about Anaband Lahiri because he finished second here back in 2017. That was the year that Jason Duffner won it. So a bit of a weird year, I guess, for kind of this tournament itself. But even like 2019, he shot an opening round 67. So he was kind of inside the top three at that point. He's played here four times, made four cuts. He's playing better. I do worry that it's kind of regressed. Like we've, we've, you know, we've peaked with Anaban Lahiri now. People aren't going to miss the fact that he's finished second here in the past. Um, but you've only got to go back two starts, and he's he's finished sixth at the Wells Fargo. It's only that missed cut of the PGA that actually stands out. Yeah, I mean that missed cut. He he flew in on Tuesday after having a uh, second child, so yeah. I don't think you can read too much into that. Um, Depends for me on him whether he's popular or not. I think he's priced up enough to where he might not be because we've been seeing him in the sixes lately. So if he if he is, then um, I probably won't play him. But if he's not, I probably will. And I like CT Pan again. I mean, he I liked him last week. He wasn't great. He made the cut, but he wasn't great. And um, he has some really good course history. Even though he wasn't great last week, he still uh, gained I think over two strokes on approach. So that's still okay. Um, so I'm, I'm interested in him. And then Ricky Fowler, I'm a little bit interested in too. I was just about to ask you about Ricky Fowler. Like is, is he showing enough to suggest that he can win again? Um, win, probably not. But he's ma- he's making cuts now, at least. And he was 11th here last year when he was out of sorts, right? And 14th two or three years ago. So, you know, two seconds, 8th, 14th, and 11th here. That, that seems to me like it's really high upside. It would be interesting to see whether he is playing that uh, Live Tour event next week because that might be uh, one of those things that kind of changes the whole framework of how people view Ricky Fowler. I think people are already making their their minds up about Ricky Fowler and that could actually play into your hands in terms of a DFS that people just don't want to play that guy anymore. Um, so that that's interesting kind of take on that. I like Luke List. I think Luke List is, is hitting the ball well again and you know eventually he's going to have a good passing week again. Whether it's going to come here, I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think of what Luke List has done here in the past, and rather than thinking about it, I'm just going to look it up. Um, Luke List has got a 10th place finish here, so he's got a 10th and a 37th versus three missed cuts. So, a bit of hit or miss, but I think that's kind of him and his career, right? As a nutshell, that's probably the best way to view uh, his whole career. And then Lucas Herbert, I thought a 7K flat was quite interesting. He's been playing well, yeah, was great at the PGA, was, um, was pretty good last week. Nothing great. Uh, he was 18th here last year with a final round of 76. He was 7th after 54 holes. It's strange. The courses you don't really expect him to play well at, he's played He's played well at. Yeah, and there's nothing in his iron game, nothing off the tee or anything that makes me think I need to play him. But it's just a feel thing. Like at 7K, I feel like he's the type that can definitely finish inside the top 10 and really make a... A strong, like I feel like he's a guy that can put himself into contention and keep himself there, like a Patrick Reed, kind of grind it out, stay in the position, don't go backwards too much, but never really threaten to win. And at seven k flat, that's absolutely fine. Yeah, he. I think the P, PGA and putting, yeah. um, which is a little worrisome because I remember watching the PGA Tour, uh, the European Tour, and it seemed like, you know, his putting is wasn't always that consistent. Um, so. It, yeah, a little, little concerning, but I think with the guys around him, yeah, he's probably better and has a higher ceiling. Um, if we can dip into the sixes here, um, I thought a couple guys stood out in the very high sixes were Troy Merritt, who's, um, you know, plays these types of courses somewhat well, and then Scott Stallings, who gained a million strokes on approach last week. Yeah, Stallings just keeps popping up at the moment, right? He just seems to be... He seems to see his name more often than his kind of finishes suggest, which makes you think he's kind of sticking out there and, and, you know, maybe falling back. But like you say, nearly eight eight strokes gained on approach last week. Um, Scott Stallings. 
He's such a high upside guy, Scott Stallings. Like if he's playing well, he will finish inside the top five. Like that's a that's the kind of thing that he can do. Like he probably should have done better than what he did. He kind of ejected himself yesterday, but you know, I think he's played here six times. He's made five cuts, 20th, 25th, fourth. He played it a lot better before. Maybe with the bit of remodeling that Jack Nicholas done last year might not suit him, but you know, we're we're taking a, talking about a guy that's in the six K range, so it really doesn't matter too much. Like as we've already spoken about, you might not even necessarily have to go down here, so you don't necessarily have to worry too much about all the facets of the game. Troy Merritt is a guy that I always like uh, to, to, to sort of see where they are. He always seems to be hovering around his kind of six, low sevens, uh, and he always just seems to be positive about Troy Merritt. It's very hard to have a negative about him when he's kind of the prices that he comes in at. Once you start getting to eight and a half K, you know, Troy Merritt, then you can kind of just toss him out, but... It feels like he's actually, you know, a pretty good fit most weeks. Yeah, always price dependent with him. I think um, this could be a, you know, a pretty good spot. Um, I played him a little bit last week. He was somewhat disappointing, but yeah, Stallings led the field in approach last week, seven point eight. Um, tied, so. tied with Kevin Nahr, I think. Nahr was up there. Yep. Yeah. So it's it's pretty impressive, like like what they did. Like Riley was there, another guy, and I don't know where he is priced here. He must be in the six K here somewhere. Lucas Glover is, is hitting the ball really, really well again. Um, never seems to do anything of note at this golf course. Uh, 6,500, though. I think he's been top five his last two starts in strokes gain approach. Uh, you know, which is which is really impressive for a guy that kind of went away for a little bit. Yeah, t- I had him. Um, approach was great. Uh, probably the worst putter alive, so that's concerning. He <laughs> lost six strokes putting uh, and finished 40th despite gaining 7.1 on the approach, but he was one of them, definitely. And then Adam Long, who's trending upwards, he's been playing better each week. He gained six strokes on approach, which I think was sixth in the field. Um, and, you know, so I, th- I think he's kind of... Has he done anything at this course? I'm just having a look. I mean, I'm just looking at Lucas Glover, and he's made eight straight cuts here, but never finished better than 37. So that's the story on Lucas Glover. There's obviously an upside, uh, a ceiling that he reaches. Adam Long... Just saw his name. Miscut, miscut, 26. So 26 last year. He was second after day one and shot a 77 on day two to kind of sell himself out of it. And then played okay the weekend, 71, 73. Yeah, I, I think we have a good three or four guys that we can go to in this range that we feel pretty good about. So even then, if we don't have to. There's another. Yeah, there's another guy that I, I think is really interesting to talk about. That's Emiliano Grillo. Like we mentioned him last week, kind of coming back into a little bit of form. I think we mentioned him last week anyway. Um, he was fifth in round one in approach last week, 15th in round three, gained in round two as well, but he lost five and a half strokes on Sunday um, with his irons. Now, is that just, can that simply just be a case of being too aggressive and trying to boost your finishing position and, and that's how you lose that many strokes? It, it could be that. It could be that. Um, it could be, you know, just a lack of consistency that we've seen from him this year because he's been, you know, even when people don't want to play him because you can't trust him in certain years. Like in those years, he's still been a lot better than he's been this year. It just seems like his ceiling has gotten so much lower than it used to be. Yeah. Um, which, but 6,200 is cheap. Uh, and you said he's had some good finishes here. 11th, 40th, 23rd, 9th before missing the cut the last two years, which the concern is that he's missed the cut the last two years and he's actually probably playing worse now in terms of consistency. So that is the worry. Um, but you know these these are guys at 6k for a reason that you know there's no there's not going to be the complete golfer down here um so yeah i think i think it's interesting like I, I just the way that we see guys being priced like kevin strillman's got a decent course history here but he's not playing well he's 6800 and then we're talking about a guy that's got a good course history here albeit not in the best of form but kind of flashing his irons at 6200 and i think that's kind of you know a, a really good play and then the other guy at 6200 i like is danny willett which is frightening because I never expect to want to play Danny Willett. But he was good at the Masters. Um, he was good at the Betfred British Masters, which is obviously on the DP World Tour. Finished 51st at the Heritage, which is not great, but is fine. But I'm pretty sure Danny Willett has never missed a cut on this golf course. He's played here three times, finished 27th, 32nd and 26th. And, and if, if I know anything about Danny Willett, it's he will repeat form. So when he was 32nd in 2020, he was fourth after 54 holes, wow. uh, which is 
which is pretty huge. And then he was 23rd after 54 holes, went back three spots. And then when he was 27th on debut, he was 10th at the halfway stage, 15th after three rounds, and then just dropped down with a 74 on the final day. So actually, he's been inside the top 10 after like three of his 12 rounds here. Four of his 12 rounds here. Wow. That, I mean, that's interesting. I like I, I like Will. How's he been playing? Has he been playing on the DP World Tour lately? So he played okay. At I know the, he's one of the favorites recently. Yeah, he played okay at the British Masters. He finished 16th. And bearing in mind, he hosts that as well. Like That's a that's a kind of a big deal. Um, he shot a second round 65. So I think that's good enough to say that uh, Danny Willett is in decent form. So let me say this. If you play uh, Willett and, and Grillo, then you can put Rory and Rahm in the lineup. They'll have 700 for your last two guys. That's frightening to have those two guys in your team there, right? Grillo and Danny Willett <laughs> propping up your teams at 6,200. So let's do that. So we do Danny Willett, Grillo, John Rahm, Rory McIlroy, 7,800 for the last two. Patrick Reed. Patrick Reed in there at 7,9. 7,7. Seven. That leaves you Adam Scott, Jason Day. Lahiri, if you want to leave 500 bucks on the table. Yeah, you could do that. Uh, or you could go... Um, I would just go Jason Day, right? Yeah, you can do that. Or I would I would even start it with Rory and just take one of those other guys. I mean, you could have Cantlay. If, you, if you're a Cantlay guy, mm-hmm. then you can go Rory, Cantlay, Reed, Willett, Grillo, and Mito. Yep. Yeah, that that's a good lineup. I like that. If those two guys come in the top 30, which is definitely possible, I think you're you're in good shape. Well, I, I definitely um, trust One guy we didn't mention. I, I don't know about Grillo, but I trust Willis to do that. Yeah, I, I like that. Um, well, Woodland is a guy we kind of passed over that I kind of, I've been off him because he's been so popular, but this is kind of a place where maybe everyone gets off him and he plays and he plays okay. He has good course history. Yeah, seventy four hundred is a is a nice price on Woodland, right? Especially at that lower ownership, if people are ready to to dive off. It's weird with Woodland because like everywhere that you think he'll play well, he's done it okay twice, uh, which is what he's done here: two top six finishes and then just nothing. Well, I say nothing. That's a bit unfair yep. because he's gone sixteenth, twenty third, twenty second. So it's not it's not nothing like that. All of those finishes. 6th, 16th, 4th, 22nd, even 23rd are all good enough to pay off the 7-4 price tag. So if you look at it that way, I mean, Gary Wooden should be a good play. Yeah, I mean, all of this, we've been burying the lead um, for the entire show because there's a guy down here who's an absolute steal. It's, 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 not, uh, it's not Austin Smotherman, is it? It is not. <laughs> nope, it is Brendan Steele. Brendan Steele, yes. Um, we have... We have that was the the guy, if no one picked up on that, and, and certainly I somehow managed to forget, but that is the guy that is exactly the same as Keegan Bradley. If it was the same person, it's only yes. because they play the same time each week that I know it's not the same person. <laughs> exactly. And, and they play well at similar courses. Bradley's probably going to be popular. And I think, at the you know, I said it twice before. Once I was wrong because he was horrible and Bradley was in contention. And then the second time was the PGA Championship where it was the opposite. So... You know, Bradley could play better than him, but the skill set is the same. And he's eighth in Nicholas designs in this field, fourth in good drives game. The guy just puts 300 in the fairway every single time. He gained 7.4 in approach at the PGA Championship, um, finished ninth. Uh, he was 13th here in 2020. He's good at PGA National, right? That's a Nicholas design. I think there's a lot of a lot of things to like about him at this price. And I think his overall like form this season is kind of overlooked a little bit. Like when you look, he was second in the Zoze, which was a pretty big tournament. Did absolutely nothing wrong. Shot a 66 in the final round. Hideki was kind of just there um, already. 26th at Bay Hill, 13th at the Players, 9th at the PGA. Like that is a huge set of results. That like, hasn't missed a cut since, ironically, since the Honda that you kind of mentioned. And he had that rough spell where it was like he missed the first five cuts of 2022. But either side of that, he's been great. Yep. So I yeah, think, I love him. I'm, I'm, I think I might lock him into all my lineups. I like him that much. That's a scary four or 6,600, right? <laughs> having, having anyone in there that popular. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, he's really good. I think, I think honestly, I think I know that he's going to be your favorite 6K guy. And I think Danny Willett's my favorite 6K guy. So I think we can start there with our favorite plays. Uh, 
I'm speaking for you there. Is, is Brendan still your favorite player at 6K? Absolutely. Yep, so that's 6,600 for you and 6,200 for Keegan Bradley. Let's work our way back up in, in a different order this time then. Uh, 7K guy for you. 7K, I'm going to go with um, Patrick Reed. I know it's probably going to be two, but... Yep, Patrick Reed's fine. That's good. It means we can agree on one. It normally works out okay when we do that. Uh, 8K range? Yep. 8K, I'm going to go with... Don't love the range all that much. Um, I'm. I guess I'm gonna have to go Neiman. Okay, so if you're going Neiman, I'll go Mito. Like, I think I think both of those guys give you the chance to do what you need to do in the nine k range, uh, especially if you're kind of fading that ten k and above. Uh, so then the nine k range, then. I'm gonna go Willie Z. Yeah, I thought you might do that. I thought I thought you know when I. Before I came on speaking to you, I thought it was going to be Fitzpatrick, but after hearing you speak about Will earlier, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, I think I think I want to do the same thing, mate. Hovland's interesting. I will say that. Like, I feel like he's the type of guy that can break free from that um, course history. It doesn't look as good as you expect. 10k. I will go with Rory McIlroy. I am. The more we talk about it, the more I'm I feel like I'm somewhat set on fading this range um but i'm gonna go with uh john ram revenge tour yeah it's, de it's definitely gonna be a revenge tour he's not gonna be happy everybody in that tournament official group is going to get some stares um I, yeah i can't imagine it's gonna be a pleasant the other thing is that he gets so riled up and it's bad like that is yeah. that's oh, another yeah. potential thing for him so um i don't want to fade patrick Cantley because i can i know what can happen uh, whereas I'm kind of happier to say no to Xander and Collie Workout. Yeah, that's 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 a good point. Um, but I'm I'm just happy to to fade them all. I guess I think I'm. So you said you're most scared to fade Cantley. I'm most scared to to fade Colin because I I just feel like if it does happen and he's unbelievable, I feel like uh, we should have just ignored the the warning signs and and saw that this was coming. Yeah, and he's the guy that does that, right? Like, Patrick Cantley generally plays well when Patrick Cantley's playing well. Colin Morikawa just plays well when no one expects him to and then goes on a stretch. So, um, one guy I'm really happy just to completely rule out is Xander. I mean, if he does it, then, then great for him because um, at Tenzu, he needs to he needs to get you a, a win, right? And I just... When is this guy going to win again? Probably. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just yeah. so unlikely. So, um, respect to him and the fact that he's got three straight top 14 finishes, but not for me. Absolutely. Yep. Okay, buddy. Well, let's uh, let's roll into next week. Uh, is it Canadian Open next week? Yep, that's right. And then we get the U.S. Open. Maybe do another Sunday show then. Yeah, love that. That'd be great. So uh, Sunday show potentially coming up for the U.S. Open, um, and then I look forward to Canadian Open next week. All right. Let's have a good week. Thanks, man. Mm -hmm.